Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Get out of the big city and experience a construction zone free test drive. There is such a thing. Would this be episode three of season two? This is episode three of season two of Standing By, the Terry and Ted podcast. I notice you've worn your CBC hoodie for episode three, so it'll be all a bunch of bullshit in episode three. (laughs) Not a word of truth. (laughs) Total spin. (laughs) For um, uh, this is a bit bit of nostalgia for me. Um, uh, My wife bought me this for Christmas, and... uh, she is. Um, she loves the nostalgic era, friendly giant, Mister Dress Up. You know, me- mementos from that era, right? Of uh, the CBC, and this one is. Partic- I'm particularly fond of this logo. Uh, is that an old logo? Yes, it is. Eh? This is the. Lo- this is what the logo was on the letterhead that told me I had got the job. Oh, in 1978. Wow. So. It has, um, it's not, the, I'm not uh, waving the CBC flag. No. Nope. Uh, well, I am, I guess, kind of, but this. Yeah, this, yeah, well, still, that's, yeah. but that's, that's a, a piece of history. Yeah, this yeah. was, this was the logo that was on the letterhead that told me I had received my first job in broadcasting. That's, so, uh, that's absolute Canadiana, yeah. even if it is symbolic of a bunch of left-wing <laughs> horse shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's kidding. Don't write because us letters. You know the rules. Letters, we <laughs> got letters. letters. Yeah, no, I am just kidding, because the yeah. rules are we want to be an oasis away from all of that. Uh, but while, I, while I'm thinking of it, um, my daughter Lauren's fiancé, John, mm-hmm. who uh, apparently he's uh, in the Bitcoin game. Oh, yes. So he's doing quite well, it seems. That's where you, 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 you take little off, bits of coin. Crack off pieces yeah. of nickels and dimes. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it is. We should get a guest in here who knows what it is and get them to tell us. Anyway, anyway, John's a computer guy. He's, uh, he's, he's got his foot in the, in the Bitcoin game and, and he's, he's doing quite well. And he bought Lauren a Gucci sweatshirt. Mm. And I looked online at, like I said, how much for that? And she said, you don't want to know. Yeah. And I looked online, and she's right. You I didn't, I didn't know. want to know. Yeah. I didn't want. It's the craziest thing yeah. I've ever like four figures yeah, for yeah. a Gucci sweatshirt for my daughter Lauren, who uh, is a uh, dyed in the wool uh, uh, socialist, eat the capitalists, kill the rich, and all the rest of it. Uh, but she likes think, her new Gucci sweatshirt. I think the fabric might be tearing <laughs> on that particular... <laughs> Maybe a tad. Boy, I'm glad she doesn't watch the podcast because yeah. she'd like me even less now. <laughs> she doesn't like me. She doesn't like the podcast? She doesn't like me. Oh, okay. She loves me. Yes. Yeah, okay. but she doesn't like doesn't me. Like, well, yeah. Wait, kids. kids. Yeah, yeah, he's kids today. Yeah. I don't know. There are some things, you know, there was... Listen, I, I never, over the course of my career, was ever wealthy like people thought I was. I used to hear the stupidest bullshit-ridden stories about the millions of dollars we were making, and you know, and they, because we drove fancy cars, and 
Well, know, we drove fancy I, cars because the fancy cars were, were given, in our contract. Yeah, they were given to yeah. us. We, so we didn't own those yeah, cars. If, yeah, if we were going to buy our own cars, yeah. it, they would not have been the cars that we were able to drive but for a little I, while. And I remember when we were first given a fancy German car, I was hesitant to drive it because of what people would think. Not me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hey, Mimi, look at me. Um, Speaking of fancy cars. Yes. We would like to thank Jaguar Land Rover Laval for coming on board as our title sponsor again for season three. Nino and Renato DiCubellis and their whole team, uh, including uh, Adrian, who is their marketing lady and who has sent me several notes, Ter. Our title sponsor. Yeah. uh, Adrian is... um, Adrian said something that was really interesting to me. She said, and this is part of what separates Jaguar Land Rover Laval from so many other uh, luxury car dealerships or any car dealerships or any businesses, really. She says for the first time in her career, and she is a seasoned veteran of the advertising and marketing game, she says for the first time she feels like she is being treated and respected uh, on an equal level with men. She said she wow. never felt that anywhere wow. else that she worked, but she said that's typical of Nino and Renato. Nice. Uh, a, nice they're good people, and B, it's about merit, you know? Yeah. And so I said to her, this is kind of a tricky one. Uh, do you want us to talk about supply chain issues? Because I know car dealers, like everyone else, has been having supply chain, have been having supply chain issues. And she says, we're actually doing not too bad. And I wrote it down here so I get it right. Um she says that you can still get a new Land Rover Defender, which is the one, if you watch the new James Bond movie, yep. new, a few months old now, beautiful, big-ass, uh, honking yeah. SUV, or the more stylish, well, I shouldn't say more stylish, it's just a different style. It's a the, little more elegant. The Velar, yeah. which is, what did you call it, uh, Poseidon, the Velar? Well, well, the Velar, that's what I called it as well. <laughs> 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 He's not usually that sarcastic. That was pretty good. Now, how did you describe it? You said it's for... Well, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, for uh, the rich or older lady. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful vehicle. Anyway, you can order, you can pre-order one of those. Well, pre-order is a, is that not a, uh, what do you call it when you, uh, the Department of Redundancy Department? That, like pre-order. You yeah. order it. You don't pre-order yeah. it. You just order it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. six months. You can get one in six months. And I know that yeah. sounds like a long time, but these days that's not bad. Right. And they also have a great inventory of CPOs. You know what that stands for? Uh, chief pooping officer? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they have chief pooping officers like you've never seen before. No, certified pre-owned. Okay. Lots yeah. of certified pre-owns. And uh, the great thing about Jaguar Land Rover Laval, you get a certified pre-owned Jaguar or Land Rover they take it in, they do the multi-point inspection, they bring it back up to spec, and you automatically get the original to 160,000 kilometers warranty. And not we, bad. We were quite pleased with their excitement of not only the first season of the podcast, but uh, the second season of the podcast. JaguarLaval.ca, LandRoverLaval.ca. Um, can I sing now? I can love you we- like that. <laughs> I can make you my girl. I was telling Terry that because I work at a radio station that plays uh, 80s and 90s oldies yes. and, and on the lighter end of the, of the spectrum, 
I found myself in the studio, and I'm a rock and roll guy from yeah. way back. Hey, like as a teenager, it was you know Black Sabbath and Deep Purple, and then I worked at Shom, and it was, it was it was always rock and roll. And I catch myself in the studio, not realizing that I'm doing it, but I'm in there singing along with "I can love you like that, I can make you love." I I confess, I've always had a taste for pop music, probably because. My first records were early Beatles records, which are arguably, you know, pop, pure pop music. If you go back to the Hard Day's Night, uh, She Loves You days. I'm a massive fan. One of my favorite albums of pop records, The Backstreet Boys, Back in Blue. And I unabashedly, with the windows rolled up <laughs> and the lips not moving very <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Sing along in the car. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the lips moving too much. This uh, this goes in the episode description. Terry and Ted do the Backstreet That's Boys. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to listen to that? Do you, do you have a... Um, we were talking about money earlier and, and something that dawned on me I wanted to ask you. Do, you. do you have a line, do you think, of what you would pay even if you had the money to pay for it? You know, for example, when we were, I was talking, when we, we first started at this episode and we were talking about, you know, the insane stories we heard about, you know, uh, the, the money we made. And listen, I confess, we made a really good living. Really, really good living. We were well paid to do what we do. <laughs> we didn't make anywhere We didn't make near, millions of dollars, though. Near the money that people thought we did. Um, but there was a time when I was single and in my late 40s, where my career really had taken off and I was making a good buck. And suddenly, some things that 20 years ago were, oh my God, were not, oh my God, so much anymore. But I found myself thinking, I cannot bring myself to pay that for that. Do you know oh, what I, mean? I could. If I could afford... Really, eh? Listen, if, I, if there was something that I wanted, uh, whether it was a thing or an experience, and I could afford it, yeah, and w without... Uh, putting myself in any kind of difficulty. Right. Yeah, I'd spend the money, sure. So I mean, it, what that's what it's for. Well, I agree with you. But, and you know me. I'm, I'm not tight with my money. I was reckless with my money, as a matter of fact, uh, through, you know, my, I would say through my 40s and into my 50s until somebody got a hold of me and said, uh, do you want to live in a tent when you're 60? You're going to have to figure it out. But there were some things where, you know, like I remember I bought a, I bought a Tom Ford tie for my wedding. Now, Tom Ford, as you don't know, is a very famous designer. You buy the Tom Ford ties at that place. Holt Renfrew? The, the, the men's store. The fancy uh, men's store. God, yes. Brooks Brothers? Walmart. <laughs> He's talking about where him and I shop. Harry Rosen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. Harry Rosen is where the hockey players shop. So yeah, I yeah. went in and I, I did two things for my wedding. I got a uh, a very expensive dress shirt um, for the wedding. The dress shirt, uh, are you sitting down? The dress shirt cost me $600. And I got, uh, the guy said to me, and this is the tie you want to go with it. It's a beautiful tie. The tie was $300. And... That was one day where I was walking out of the store thinking, oh, God. No, no, what no, was no, I no. doing? No, no, and, no, no. But no. then I got a hold of myself. Then I got a hold of myself and I thought, hey, only once, my friend, 
Only once. Not Enjoy only, it. Not only only once, but for the day you're going to marry the love of your life. Yes. To spend the rest of your life yes. with her. Yes. You only spent 300 on a tie? <laughs> Was that not enough? <laughs> no, that's because no, that, but I mean that's, that's plenty. Isn't I wouldn't. It? I would not give that a second no. thought. Okay. Well, there's some people who who there are some people I know who have way more money than I do who cannot bring themselves to enjoy it. Well, you I know, and and friends who said to me, "Are you out of your fucking mind? You spent six hundred dollars on a shirt." Yeah, I don't know if that's an innate mindset or if that comes from circumstances. Like maybe. I think maybe a lot of people who who grew up in the depression. And then uh, uh, became wealthy uh, in later life. Had difficulty no. uh, spending a lot of money because they knew what hard scrabble was. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I knew a guy, my old landlord, Joe Ships, God rest his soul, who was a Holocaust survivor. He was in the camps, wow. and you couldn't throw anything away. No, if you t- no. if you threw something away, we put something out at the edge of the some appliance or something i don't remember what it was but it might have been like a dishwasher we put it out at the end of the of the driveway for the recycling to come by and pick it up and he he got it and took it back inside put it in his garage you don't throw things away no you don't throw things away for god's sake well my when my grandmother had no other recourse that there was no soup to make there was no croutons to make there was nothing more you could do if a loaf of bread had gone bad, she would kiss the loaf of bread before she gently put it in the garbage. Wow. That's that's what you're talking about, old school. Besides, that's trauma, sa- though. Eh? That's trauma. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just that, realized I shouldn't be talking anything about fashion because I've still got the dry cleaning <laughs> tag in my shirt, in my fucking... And not only that, but I got my, I got my Canadian tuxedo dry cleaned. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave you're, it in there. That'll be you're uh, spending money like it's going yeah. out of style. That, that'll be that'll, that'll just be like the kids leaving the tag on their hat. Yeah, right? there you go. That, yeah. It's a, you're gonna it's gonna be a new trend. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's gonna be doing it. Lot, is that a lot of money for a tie, Poseidon? Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. I, I I usually do the a very Greekster thing. What's that? Uh, I usually shop around very expensive uh, items and I see what they look like. Oh yeah. I ask the. Um, uh, the the people that work there to take a picture of me in the item wearing it, and I usually give an excuse that uh, it's for either my girlfriend or my mother to see what I look like, and then I bring it to an old lady, uh, it's a seamstress, and I make it from scratch at a, basically at a tenth of the price. Wow, there you go. Really? Or you could go get a knockoff somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Not I make I make a knockoff, but like yeah. a good knockoff. Yeah. Not for your wedding. <laughs> I no, you know that's, what that's perfectly understandable that when you would I, spend that money. When I made when I moved to Calgary and and this this is one of the this is one of the reasons I was thinking about this. When I moved to Calgary, uh two things happened. Um I I made more money than I'd ever made. Number one, and uh, number two, I lost a, sh- a shit ton of weight. Mm-hmm. I lost over 90 pounds. Um and I that opened the door to me to shop off the rack. And for the first time in my life, I was able to go into a Brooks Brothers store. Nice. Now, Brooks Brothers, if you like to dress nicely. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks Brothers is quite a, quite a, quite a nice yeah. place to shop. Yeah. And there was a jacket, one of the most beautiful jackets, Italian jackets, I had ever seen. Winter jacket. 
and I, 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 I just thought this jacket is so spectacular. This is so beautiful. And it was $3,800. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't pull the pin. I would, I would have to be stinking rich if I was going to drop okay. 3800 on a jacket. Okay. Like, I'd have to be making way more money than we ever made to yeah. spend that on okay. a jacket. All right. Yeah, that that is like money is no object. Yeah, that's 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 private jet money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I was in Paris and I was in the? Um, I can never remember the Louis Vuitton. Yes, we're in the Louis Vuitton on uh, Champs Elysees, mm-hmm. and I'm there because my wife at the time, Danielle, is spending me into the poorhouse, <laughs> and um, I'm walking around, and and all of a sudden I see this this gaggle of people go by. And there's one little short man in the middle of the gaggle, and everyone else is surrounding him, and they're all wee, 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 wee. <laughs> and they're going up and down the aisles, and it's like it's almost like a little cartoon thing, you know, where they're all it's just this gaggle that's all moving together, this one little crowd. And I came back outside, and there were a bunch of guys standing there with cameras. It was the paparazzi. What are you guys doing here? Oh, Elton John's in there. Oh my God. So that's who I had seen inside the, uh, the Louis Vuitton. Yeah, Elton John was out on a shopping it spree at Louis Vuitton. Me, it's, it's the like the uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the French director. We we yeah wee, exactly. Wee, that's wee, exactly wee. what it was like. Yeah, the Pepe Le Pew cartoon. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well, yeah, the, all the all the paparazzi guys and they were cool. They're just standing there waiting for their shot. You know, having Elton John money is. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's that's the kind of money I'd need to have yeah. to spend thirty eight hundred dollars on a jacket. Yeah. yeah. Did you get your wedding suit from Peter Cohen? I did. That was um, one of the nicest gifts that was given to me the, the, around the time of my wedding was I had a bespoke suit, uh, not bespoke, <laughs> a bespoke suit. Yeah. Um, crafted. What does that mean? Well, bespoke is, is made for you. Okay. It's, you know, it's so hand tailored just for you. Hand tailored. He gave just, you a suit for your just wedding? Just for you and your body. Yeah. He's the nicest He's man. The nice, yeah, and the you nicest know what? Family. The fucking COVID. Yeah wiped them out i know that made me so angry yeah, me that too. made me so angry yeah. a family business they'd been there for 80 fucking years yeah. or more yeah making making clothing and Kindest, good people yeah, nicest good people good ever people and got wiped right the yeah. fuck out but yeah. you know what he said to me he said i'm grateful because we did well enough over the years yeah. that we're okay yeah He's that, just well, the nicest the, man. That's the kind of family they yeah. they they are, and that's one of the reasons I thought I cannot have a suit that's been crafted like this, this beautiful, you know, special fabric tailored to you know my weird ass body with my you know giant head and my big shoulders <laughs> and my giant belly. <laughs> like you know, it was it was a bit of a chore. I would imagine <laughs> can't get, get that right. off the rack, eh? <laughs> no, sir, you Come can't. on down here, look at our giant head section. We'll see what we got for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I didn't have to have a hat. <laughs> And they did such a beautiful job, and I thought I have to grace this with a, you know, a, a, a shirt and tie of equal measure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you must have been looking pretty good. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know because I wasn't invited Wait. to the wedding. <laughs> well, this is a topic for another day because we we got married out of uh, out of province. We yeah, got, yeah, I know. I'm just teasing. Yeah, no, I'm I know. We got married. We got married. We had a very small wedding. Of uh, mostly family, and uh, not everybody in the even in the family came. It you know was a, was a lot to ask. It was cross country, and, and it was at the beginning of COVID. And we said, as I said in an earlier podcast, it was COVID Eve, yeah, March twelfth, twenty twenty. Crazy, yeah. 
It's crazy business, I'll tell you. There's a good pause. Yeah, that yeah. was a big fat lull. What does that mean? It's going to rain or something? Well, I am, I'm not sure if it's going to rain or not, uh, Ted, but I'll tell you something that I want to say. Um, I want to say uh, thanks to David Drucker and uh, the folks at uh, the UPS Store Canada. He's the nicest guy, isn't Speaking he? Speaking of nice guys, yeah. David's been doing all kinds of stuff for the community over the years. And we met David when we were both starting out and he was starting out. And what was his old company? Was it Cellular Solution? Yeah, was I that think the it was name? Cellular yeah. Solution. David yeah, got into the yeah. cellular phone game when cellular phones first came out. Yeah. When people were carrying those great big ones you would call in an artillery strike with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ones you used to see on combat. Here's yeah. a 60s reference for you. Friday night at 10 on CBS. Stick with us for more 50 year old pop culture references. Anyway, David called me and he said, you know, I'm really enjoying the podcast um, and I would like to support it. And so we welcomed the UPS Store Canada when uh, uh, Jess and I were packing up for the move to British Columbia. Uh, we boxed up a um, uh, boxed up an old set of dishes that we you know, we had forgotten. They were in a closet somewhere. And she said, oh, no, what are we going to do with these? And she said, I know what we're going to do with these. You'll take them to UPS. If you already own a small business, you probably know this. There's somebody who's in your community, from your community, running the local UPS store. And they can take care of everything for you. Whether you have to fax something, and don't laugh, people still do send faxes. Uh, if you need to pack something, you need to uh, ship something that's fragile. If you need to get something somewhere quickly uh, to the end of the country or across the world, they'll take care of it. You know what else they have? I was on their uh, website this morning, and I found this interesting, and they highlighted shredding services. There you go. If that's you have important. documents you need to be shredded that's and you important. want them shredded properly, yeah. So that no one ever discovers what you've been up to. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the one stop shop. If yeah. You, if you're you know if you have a small uh, chore that needs taken care of, like me and my wife did, or you run a small business, or you've got to get something because a baby was just born to the other side of the country, uh, they'll look after you. What'd you say? Thirty five hundred locations. Uh, 350, 350 in Canada, Canada. 5,000 North America. Okay, so there you go. I exaggerated. The a bit. UPS store. The UPS store. It's time to welcome our next guest, Ted. Hey, it's Joey Elias. We were just mentioning <laughs> Combat. Do you remember yeah. Combat, the TV show? Friday night at 10 on CBS. Yeah, Joey's a little bit younger than us. Yeah, he, he might is. not remember Yeah, and that combat. may have uh, also coincided with Dallas, which my grandmother watched. Oh, yeah. No, but Combat, combat was... Combat was uh, before Dallas. It was, it was in the 60s. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad, you know, I, I must thank my dad. My dad valiantly tried to stay awake. Friday night at 10, he tried to stay up with me to watch combat. There were some big stars on combat there was. before they were big stars. Yeah. And it yeah. was so realistic. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> was it like uh, just awful? What was, what was the concept? No, it wasn't. They, they, were trying to, they were trying to pay tribute to the men. You know, back, back in 1961, men had only been home from the war for 15, 15 years. 15 years, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they were trying to gently... Yeah, it was a it was yeah it was a World War II half hour World War II like Rat Patrol kind okay. of thing yeah yeah and it was uh, you know it was like I say there some big name actors yeah. Were in. yeah I remember seeing Ted Knight in it as a German soldier is that right yeah the wow. guy who went on to be Ted Baxter yeah. on the Mary Tyler Moore show I think Vic, as a German soldier that's Vic, some range though yeah it, that is yeah range. big time Vic Morrow was in that show yeah I think he was one of the regulars and Vic Morrow was. He was killed by a helicopter crash on a Hollywood movie set. Twilight yeah. Zone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. With the two, with, sadly, with two kids. Yeah. yeah. Awful, yeah. awful story. 
So that's quite a pick me up. <laughs> uh, Joe, you like bringing the comedian in. Yeah, really, eh? Who else died, yeah, Joe? You, you got to fix this for us. <laughs> Joey Elias, uh, in, in, I don't know why you wouldn't know, Joey Elias is a comedian who's been touring the country for a very long time and has been a friend of the Terry and Ted program uh, when it was the Terry and Ted program on all different radio stations on all different formats, and now is a friend of the podcast. I love this podcast. Do you? I do. Are and you I, just I, saying that? No, and I'll <laughs> say why. It, it's so much fun um, just to see you guys together again. Thank you. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, I know. I, I hate when people say this to me, but, you know, oh, I grew up with you. Yeah. It just, you're like, okay, that's great. And I'm still old enough. I'm going to kick you right in your balls because <laughs> uh, that's how much it hurt. But I remember, you know, when I started doing stand-up, you know, my friends and some of my family members were like, what, what are you doing with your life? And then I remember being on the show with you guys on show, and that's when my friends were like, Oh, you're okay. Oh, okay. You're all right. You're yeah. on with Terry and <laughs> Made Ted, you cool. <laughs> you know, so this means a lot. This is, uh, there's a part of me that's like, I'm, I'm a 20-year-old kid again. Do, do you find that that, because we were talking about adjusting to things earlier on before you got here. We were talking about adjusting to, to money and, and talking about, you know, being older and, and you know, 50-year-old references and stuff like that. Do, do you... Did you find that was an adjustment when people say, "Ah, you came to my high school when I, uh, you know, that that kind of thing?" Because we get a lot of that. Yeah, you know, I listen to you guys on my way to yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, or my dad used to listen to you guys. That, oh, that's, that's my one. favorite now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, uh, I remember walking down the street, uh, Young Street in Toronto, and there was a four young kids, you know, sitting on a, on a terrace, as they call it out in Ontario. And <laughs> they called me over and they were like, are you Joey? And, and part of me was like, yeah, still hip with the kid. <laughs> and he's like, can we take a picture? My mom loves you. And I was just like, oh, all right, sure. Is your mom single? Like, what's the deal? Um, but th the interesting thing is, and I always forget this, I started young, right? I, so I've spent the better part of my life, you know, in front of people. So the fact that I've influenced so many people yeah. that they come up to you after and they're like, I got into it because, you know, I saw you. And then I, you know, I guess that's a compliment. It is. is 100% it, it is. Yeah. I always took it as, well, if you could do it, I could do it. No, 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 no. no. Um, but it is very nice now to see that, uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's a strange thing. Because I can't, I've told this story a thousand times to people. I can't, I can't put it into words because I don't know what it is. But I remember it happening, and I remember I saw it when we hosted comedy shows at the at Club Soda. We hosted the Montreal show, which is something I, I don't understand why they don't do what what we did in the '90s because that to me primed the pump for the local comedy scene, and there was such an unbelievable gush of talent. David Acker, John Rogers, Joey Elias. I'm Barry Julian. Barry Julian. DJ uh, McCarthy. DJ McCarthy. Heidi, Martha Chavez. Yeah. These, Roth Pan. Yeah. yeah. They, it just goes on and on and on. And I remember there was, in the first couple of years, some of the gang were, were pretty good. Some of the gang were still struggling. You know, like anybody who had to go on, before Rogers was nervous, and you know Rothpan got better before others did, so there was kind of a thing that I was seeing, and you know, and I would watch it, and we we would watch these guys develop, and I remember saying to you one night, 
there's Joey's that's Joey's on the takeoff. Like yeah. this there was this one night you were I don't know if you remember, it was a club soda and it just clicked. It just you had the room on your side, the crowd was roaring, and I turned to Ted and I said, There he goes. I remember that night because there's certain comics that were there that night that still remind me that uh, I got a standing O, and the uh, the audience called me back out. You guys gave me a you well, know we a had curtain, to a curtain call, yeah. and I didn't know what to do. I, you know, <laughs> uh, I just remember being on the side and, and DJ going, you know, go go, and I'm like, I'm done. What What do you mean go? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm out of an, stuff. I don't have another seven. What are you talking about? And that's you know that was that was a game changer really. And, but do you remember the feeling? Like, do you remember what it was or why it happened? It just, or it just suddenly clicks. I think it was a combination of working that set to death. Yeah. You know, it was by the time, I just wanted, I remember, and it still goes with most festivals, when they, you know, you get into a fest, you audition with a certain set. Yeah. And then they want to see that set for the next four or five months. Right. You want to get it. So by the time, imagine like Supertramp just playing the one song every night. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd get sick of yourself too, yeah. you know? So it's, uh, I think there was an energy. I think I was on um, on the second half too that Yeah, that there, there were two shows, seven and nine. Yeah, and that was, everything just, I think everybody yeah. had a phenomenal, there was something yeah. mad. There was something in the air that You night. know what, and I've noticed this about, I've done enough stand-up and hosted enough shows Rooms have a personality. Yeah. Crowds have their own collective personality. When you talk about you guys are a good room, that's not just an accolator. Yeah. That's not just a, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not just, like, yeah, disingenuous horse shit. <laughs> a good room is a good room. And there are also physical layouts that, that make good better. rooms. Yeah. And that old club soda up on Park Avenue, in that sense, yeah. was a great room. There was... Uh, I was Sorry. just going to ask Joey, as a comedian, what made that room so good? Um, just, uh, before we continue, just uh, drag the mic in a little closer. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, don't be afraid. To, uh, drag it in closer and angle it towards yeah, the Go there like this. The thing about that club soda, uh, the old one, and even uh, the last straw that is built now that you can't access to it because it's been they're, yeah, they're behind something. They're building something. Cones. I don't know, yeah. whatever it is. It is... No matter where you are in that room, you're on top of the stage. You know, it's just a big room that can get, you know, eight to a thousand, pe- 800 to a thousand people, but it's an intimate room for that kind of size. It's almost like if you shrunk down the comedy nest, you get the old club soda, right? And it was also that the fact that the stage wasn't too high. Um, I mean, the only bad thing about that place was the green room. Yeah. I thought the old club soda. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was well, like a closet. Rem- when we first started to do, the- Ted and I were asked to host comedy shows, and at that point we hadn't hosted anything. And the Just for Last people asked us to host it, and, and Ted, very good at stand up, he kind of led the parade, and we did our little tap dance thing before the the top ten. <clears throat> yeah, the, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, before the before, and then the- Letterman stole that bit from us <laughs> before the comedians came on. <laughs> and I remember the first year. That I think it was the first year we hosted. There was a comedian there whose name escapes me. He did. He had a Superman bit. He had a Superman cape, and he did. I can't remember what his name was. Winston Spear, maybe. 
Wink, sure. That Could sounds yeah. like uh, something Winston went Anyway, done. we went back after the first show, the 7 o'clock show. We went back, and one of the comedians who was on the 9 o'clock show said to me, how are they? And I didn't understand the question. How are who? <laughs> and I said to him, how's who? He said, the crowd. You fucking idiot. The crowd. <laughs> because here's a little backstage tip for you. The comedians you love, not all of them are especially nice people. Yeah. And I said, oh, the, cr the crowd. Well, uh, yeah, they, they were pretty good. And it, it, it took me like a year or two to learn that, as you point out, crowds have a personality. Yeah. And maybe that's what was going on that night. I don't know. And one of the things that I loved, you and I got into the routine of we decided who got a curtain call. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. But it was always self-evident. It was self-evident. Yeah, it was, it was always self-evident yeah. who was yeah. going to, you know, but who had earned were, it. I mean, that lineup that we just yeah. listed. I mean, anybody on any given day could have gotten a standing O. Yeah, but you this, know. this you're being very humble. But, but it's true. Like This I mean, was your night. Oh, absolutely. Because it, John Rogers at that point, for example, he was ahead of you all. Oh, yeah. He, clo he closed the shows, and he killed every time he went on. Yeah, that right? was the worst spot on the... Yeah, the planet. Yeah, if, if you had to follow, follow John. John. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I headlined the uh, the Comedy Nest, and it was uh, DJ hosting. Yeah, Acker, and then John, and I remember uh, John finishing, and as I was being introduced by Deej, in a very kind of you know uh, Mickey to Rocky way, <laughs> he went follow that fucker. <laughs> 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 so and how did it go? Do you remember? <laughs> no, I was too busy trying to figure out if the audience was going to smell my pants or not. <laughs> that was terrifying, but it made me a better comic because if you go up, and that's why I still don't understand comics today when I pop into an open mic and they're like, I don't want to follow so-and-so or I don't want to go on after so-and-so. Well, uh, I, the only way you get better. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's like hockey players. You want to play on a line with Gretzky. Yeah. Right. You you want to surround yourself with people who are smarter, faster, quicker, brighter than you are, I think. I think that's the way you get better. Do you think that, or has time moved on, do you think if today there was a similar show, not not that we host, I don't live here in, in Montreal anymore anyway, so. But you're always going to be part of the I'm, city. I'm not, I, I always will be, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. Um, but I... I I, I I just think that if there was a show that encouraged the local scene and specifically on the Just for Laughs, the, the, the Made in Montreal Night, whatever you want to call it, whoever you want to host it, are there not comedians Didn't, out there that would benefit from it like you and DJ and, and Rock John and... All oh. the, you know. Didn't they go back to that a little bit in, re in the last year or two, and weren't you part of it? Yeah, they brought it back uh, because of the COVID, uh, you know, everything was outdoors. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't... It wasn't indoors. And it wasn't new names. It wasn't, wasn't... No. It wasn't people that, you know, because a lot of people, people forget, a lot of people didn't know who DJ McCarthy was. Yeah, we had... A lot of people didn't know who Sugar Sammy was. Yes. Right. Sorry, Joe. Yes. There, I mean, we had something in the show called the, uh, the Showcase Spotlight. Or the spotlight showcase, one of them, um, and what it was, everybody else got ten minutes, and we got seven. Yeah, and some of the people that were in that position, uh, myself, Barry Julian, Martha Chavez, David Pride, uh, Heidi Foss, 
You know, these were all people that, I mean, even today, I mean, I love working with every single one of them, you know, and it made us better because we got to hang around the Roth pans and the Bowser and Blues and, and John. Um, I think today if they went back to the theaters, if they went back to the Club Soda um, or the Last Drow, I think, and people forget this, it was the second fastest selling show. Yes. In JFL after yeah. the Nasty Show. Yes. Um, there is so much talent in this city right now. So there now. is. It's oh, out there. Yes. And some, listen, there's some names out there that are up and coming that have been around for a while. I mean, uh, we've worked with JC Lafontaine numerous times. JC, you know who I really love is Gino Durante. Oh, Gino's I got a... I fucking love Gino. But do you not, first of all, that guy... You know, he doesn't drink coffee or do cocaine. I don't understand. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, if he did, he'd explode. I mean, how do you get that energetic yeah. before a show? Uh, Gino's a great name. You know, uh, Harrison Weinrip is so just why, hilarious. Why Why not? Where? Where? Where's the show? Yeah. Where's the, where is... Is it because Montrealers, aside from Bruce Hills, are not running just for laughs anymore? Does that have anything to do with it, I wonder? Is I that, or am so. I asking too political a question? No, I don't think so, because uh, the Montreal show was, you know, forgotten and, and yeah, annulled it, yeah, many was, years ago. Now, I understand that, you know, everybody and festivals evolve, right? Like, they had the Bar Mitzvah show that went by the wayside. They used to have the, uh, the all LGBTQ show, right? Um, and now the last few years, it's gone into one-person shows, which are amazing if yeah. you get to see, you know, to go see um, Big J Okerson at Cafe Cleopatra and be, you talk about intimacy, yeah. and you get him for an hour, 15 minutes for 20 bucks. You have to put on nylons and a wig uh, to get in? <laughs> <laughs> I usually just bring hot dogs and that. <laughs> <laughs> I listen I'm I'm not I'm not criticizing I'm not I you know I you know, Bruce Hills and I are longtime friends and I'm not criticizing but I'm I'm just damn curious because it was if you look back on it it was it was such a successful run John Rogers now uh, is owns at, LA yeah he's he's yeah. a longtime Los Angeles stalwart who's written and co-written a lot of movies and has an office a big fancy office in a movie studio you know what Jeff Rothpan was on Carson um, three times. You know uh, the Tonight Show. Yeah, Steve Patterson, uh, da David Pro, like all of these people have gone on to uh, Barry Julian with uh, Colbert. With yeah, the what Colbert is he, an executive show? producer is of the it, Colbert yeah, Show was, or something? Uh, you know, Barry is just. And you know what the beautiful thing about Barry is? He's never changed. Well, listen, I this gives me a chance to tell the story that actually puts a giant lump in my throat because when I was retiring. One day, when I was uh, uh, stepping away from Shom, as it were, um, one day this massive bouquet of flowers, the kind, the kind of flowers that you see in the movies, you know, the kind of, the, the kind of flowers that, that, that Brando got in The Godfather after Johnny Fontaine got the part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Brando goes, ah, no, get him out of here. <laughs> and, and I said, Jesus Christ, who are those for? Anyway, long story short, they were they were flowers from Barry Julian, and the note said, "I will never forget what you did for us." Yeah, and I want to wish you well in your retirement. And I thought I, I hadn't heard from Barry in 
years. Now, now I feel like I should have brought flowers. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, and, no, because you and I saw each other all the time, yeah. and and Barry was, you know, he hasn't lived in Montreal for a hundred years, and you know, he's a big shot in New York, and you know, he said, "We'll never forget what you did for us and the comedy scene." What you and Ted did, we'll always be grateful to you. And you'll, you know, when whenever you're in New York, you know, make sure you call me and we'll give you the full treatment at the Colbert Show. Like, it it was really quite special. So that that is, to your point, he never changed. No, and I mean, you know, uh, the Nest had their 40th anniversary about four or five years now. And Barry came in. And Barry said, look, I haven't done stand-up in like 12 years. Barry went up on the Saturday early show. And I think Dave Acker and I wanted to take him outside and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> really, eh? No, you didn't miss a beat. Yeah. We're like, what do you mean yeah. you haven't done? I, listen, he's been writing and he's a yeah. prolific yeah. writer. Well, so much of it is confidence. And do you think Barry's got any confidence yeah. as an executive producer, producer of, of the, the Colbert, Colbert show? show? Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but during lockdown, he got his uh, Sh- uh, Sean, his son. Yeah. To cut his hair, <laughs> yeah, and that was that. That itself was priceless. Oh, it was Hilarious. wonderful. But that's yeah. what I mean. Barry and I, um, we still keep in touch. I mean, we just uh, literally, I just emailed him about a week ago. Yeah, just hey, what's up? You yeah. know, like I'm really looking forward to seeing you. And he's the kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that if you know, I said to my wife, we will go see Colbert, and we will get. We will get the treatment. You'll yeah. see. He's the kind of guy who isn't just blowing smoke. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why, I, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a wish of mine. You know, like, there's the 1977 Montreal Canadiens and the 75 Montreal Canadiens, and then there's the 93 Montreal Canadiens. You know, to me, this group that you represent, they were like one era of the Canadiens. I know there's another group out there, and I'd love to, would love to be able to see them get the same kind of push, but I guess the world has just moved on. Well, also these days, and, and that will lead me into my next question, Joe, COVID. What's it been like to try to make a living <laughs> these last two years? Um, it's been beyond bizarre, you know? Like to, I've been very lucky that I have a contract with Global, where I do a, a once a week segment where I write and I go out and film. So that kept, Everyday Joe, it's called. Yeah, it's called yeah. Everyday Joe. And it kept me sane because I was still writing and I still had to have a sense of timing. But not having stand up, I never realized how much, uh, like how therapeutic it is to get up there, you know, and just doing little things like not being able to go for you know breakfast with david acker like yeah. we do when we're in town and together and stuff like that um you know and the other thing i never realized how much i miss the green room yeah itself you know the best quote ever about the green room was judd apatow who said it's where all the misfits in the world go to fit in uh, for right. people oh, who don't know the green room is where comedians gather yeah it's yeah. backstage yeah and and it's quite and it's sorry to interrupt joe but it's it was a revelation to us yeah when we were invited back there when we were hosting the show and i remember we would go home and i'd say to ted that that green room is just something else because you can see the interaction and every once in a while you know like one night seinfeld dropped in that yeah, well, that's another neat yeah. thing. I remember yeah. you and I were clearing out at the new club soda yeah. one night, and Jim Gaffigan came in yeah. because he was hosting the next show. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, it's Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's the other thing about the fest is I, I really hope that with all the, the COVID nonsense, you know, hopefully in the rearview mirror as we try to open up, um, 
we can go back yeah. to doing full festivals. And in that sense, I mean, I've said this to members of, uh, of Just for Laughs. I will take myself out of the equation. This goes back to the earlier conversation. If you let me produce a new Montreal show, oh, as in cool. the old days. Wow. And hopefully... They will take me up on that. I sure hope they do. You Joey. know, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'd love to be on that stage because, again, that's one of my favorite rooms, and just to hang out there. I mean, it's yeah. Ruben. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you go yeah, into the yeah. green room. Yeah, yeah. Ruben's like, "Hey, I'm going to the pool room. <laughs> what do you need? You know, like yeah. I should be. We should a couple of dogs, Rube. You know, we, but you that's know what, what I mean. We're a very lucky group of Montrealers. If you're listening to this podcast, and we're making a lot of Montreal references, if you don't get, you know, you're missing out on them. It's um, it's unfortunate because when, when you think of the things we've seen and the people that we've tangled with and interacted with backstage, whether it was at the Bell Center, the Forum, uh, the uh, Club Soda, Last Rowl, um, we, we've, we've met some special people and, and interacted with some special Montrealers like Ruben Fogel, who's a local Ruben. promoter and a character. Yeah. Par he's excellence. the greatest. Yeah, he really I mean, is. He's just so much fun. Don't, uh, um, you you would never give it up though, Joey. Would you? No. You, I mean, I can't imagine the comedy scene without you. I couldn't give up. You know, people talk about, oh, what if you got you know a permanent radio job again? I'd be oh, like, fuck that. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, uh, okay, but you know, there's weeks off. Yeah. And why? Even, why could you not do both? Yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, I timed it out when I was doing the uh, the comedy show on CJD. And, I mean, I had a lot of leeway with that where I could pre-record a few here and there. Yeah, leeway days are gone. But what people didn't realize is that I was coming in Monday to Thursday live. And then Friday, I was at a train station or an airport, and I was heading out. Yep. And then I'd be flying back Sunday night, you know, from wherever, or coming back, and then back to radio. And Well, I'm pleased to say the reason that we're recording this episode on this day is because you got to go to Tirana. Yes, well, so finally. that means you're, you're, you're finally going to get some live gigs in in the coming months? Yes, I have. Uh, Toronto's opened up an absolute comedy who, uh, unfortunately, they had to close their Kingston location during uh, COVID because of, you know. COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, you know, you'd think that uh, landlords in some of the bigger cities we're going to be a little bit more lenient with oh, these sure. guys, but it's the smaller cities yeah. that we're like, nope, you owe me every penny. So, unfortunately, that uh, didn't happen, but very excited. There's shows. There's live audience. I don't have to be behind plexiglass. The last time I was there, actually, I recorded the album that I just released, uh, and I, was, I did it behind plexiglass. It was the most bizarre wow. experience. I mean, you talk about what was COVID and yeah. comedy like. Everything I, you know, I wanted to do was uh, I like interacting with the crowd. Yeah. Didn't see them. Yeah. You know, like I wanted one of those squeegee yeah. kids in the middle of the that's show. That's crazy. Show that's crazy because you do that so well. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've noticed about the evolution of your career. And I've noticed it in the last several years. And I had this conversation. It was almost an argument I had with somebody. And I said, I said, I'm so amazed with how Joey can go up on stage and riff with the crowd for like 35, 40 minutes, and he's just riffing and doing stuff on his feet and off the top of his head. No, 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 that's not off the top of his head. That's all planned out. <laughs> no, it isn't. How do you if, plan out if, interaction yeah. with yeah, the, the audience? Yeah, the audience is filled with plans. Yeah, so, but I think, I think the point, I think what he was trying to say was that you lead the audience into helping set up one of your... Uh, pre-written Sometimes. bits yeah but but i know i know when it's yeah. just you 
off the top of it's your head and on your feet. It's on your feet. Yeah, yeah, and you and do it really an well. Okay. And it, it's yeah. it's it's a combination. Well, it's a combination of three things: experience. Yeah. You're funny, yeah. but I think the most important element is comfort level. Yes, your comfort level on stage is is unparalleled to oh, me. I have never seen a comedian as comfortable on stage outside of a script that he's going through in his head, just winging it with the crowd and taking whatever comes and making, you know, what do they say? Making le- lemonade yeah. out of lemons. You do that as well so as anybody involved. I've ever seen. Yeah, that's much appreciated. To me, it, you know, there's something about the stage where nothing hurts. It's the It's utopia. Yeah. You well, know? you're you're in control, eh, Joey. It's it's your space. Yeah, I mean, it's still a leap of faith that everybody's going to follow you, but but you're not terrified anymore. I was going to say, what a place to be versus holy yeah. shit. I mean, I still get nervous before every show, <laughs> which kinda, is, I think, a but good that's thing. good. Yeah. Good, good, Johnny nervous Bauer. energy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the Johnny Bauer yeah. thing. Without yeah, yeah you don't puke idiot. though. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I like my esophagus. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, it's a motivational yeah. purpose. I, I think we used to say this about radio, you know, even even doing this, you know, the, the first episode we recorded of this uh, second season, you know, I was, there was a little bit of this, you know, and then you get settled in. That was a great Catherine Hepburn. And you, rem- you, remember, you remember where you're going and you remember how this works and away you go, you're off to the races. You know, it's, I, I said to Poseidon, I said the first episode I felt like we had a little gas, not Ted, because he's always great, but me. Um, there was a little little water in the gas line, you know. When you get water, well, we're in always your gas our line. worst critic, right? Yeah, and 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 I know what you're saying because one of the things that was so um, aggravating for me, it's a small aggravation, was at a point in my career where I just was getting it, like I really felt like I had it not down, but was really getting good at it. They slammed the, they they slammed the door in my face, and it, that's just the way it is. And I, that's I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, frustrating. You, you, it's frustrating because yeah. you do get, and you know this, right? The place you're at now versus the place you were at back at Club Soda thirty years yeah. ago, those are two different places. Very different in terms of just what I talk about. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't remember what I was talking about back then, but now it's all about uh, getting older, but not feeling older. Right, you know, like right. I turned fifty, and like in my head, fifty was so ancient. Yeah, you know, like my grandmother, by the time she was fifty, had two grandchildren. You know, and I'm like, well, I still want to go skydiving. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have time for grandchildren. Yeah. You know, so fifty today is not what it was twenty, thirty years ago. Right, um, and I think there, that's a reason why you still see a lot of older comics still on the scene because they're still relevant and they still, you know, I think we're wiser. Yeah. You know, are comedy audiences generally younger and do you have to tailor your material keeping in mind that you're dealing with an audience that whose average uh, member might be 20, 25 years younger than you? I don't do universities anymore. And some people don't do them because they're too politically correct, which is another issue. But even um, even like even the nest is the nest not a relatively young crowd or or, or they're pretty good. The nest is a nice mix of college and then you know uh, you know early you know forties fifties. Right. I guess maybe another way of asking the question is is do you you must have to make a conscious effort to be relevant not only to 
your own situation and and age, and you can obviously do material on on being fifty years old and middle age and what that's all about. But you also have to be relevant to your audience, oh, right? Yeah. So you have to talk about what's what's current. Yeah, I mean, you always have to read the room. Yeah, you know, of late, I don't want to talk about COVID or politics because I feel like everybody's had too much of that. Yeah, yeah. we're the same way. Yeah. We've decided this is going to be an oasis like, away from that. If, if somebody says the word truck to me, I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, I'm like, good, you you worry about it. Yeah. You know, um, I've just been trying to, as hard as it has been, just trying to stay positive. Yeah. You know, so it is limiting myself to social media. And when on social media, it's try to find something cute, like, a, like an otter or something like that, and stay away <laughs> from... You know, crazy people in hot tubs, you know? <laughs> You're going there. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say, yeah. I, I've i been to Ottawa, and uh, I don't remember the hot tub. Yep. I would have been in it. Bouncy Castle? <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, the good people at the Mercens. Merson Automotive at St. Jacques and Cavendish, where Terry and I have been doing business for many years. Uh, they do tires. Yokohama and Nokian are the two main brands that they deal in. And uh, if you want good winter tires, yes. well, Nokian, they're both terrific. Nokian has a, has a testing facility in, uh, up above the Arctic Circle where they test their winter tires. So that's a pretty good place to test winter tires. Mm-hmm. It's called White Hell. Oh, Celso, uh, Celso Loro, who is married to Kara Merson, and Celso is the garage manager, he's actually been to White Hell in Finland and uh, gone through uh, their whole, they, they take, you know, people they do business with, their business partners, mm-hmm. and did the whole nine yards. And he said it was quite fascinating. And they take you there in winter because that's when you have to go to test the winter tires. Can you imagine north of the Arctic Circle yeah. in Finland <laughs> in winter? Bring a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Nokian and Yokohama are their two main tire brands. They also do uh, anything else that your car needs in terms of maintenance and repair. And they do it right. And most of all, they do it fair and honestly. Honestly and, is yeah. the big, big thing for me. Because I don't know anything about cars. So you got to find a mechanic. I'll us. hang my hat on that. Yep, if you ever think too. that the Mersons have steered you wrong, you come talk to me and I'll go talk to them. But I'll tell you, it's not going to happen. You'll find them at mersonauto.com. Joey, hello. Hello. <laughs> what? Let's do the tweet sheet Let's do with the Joey tweet in the room. Yeah, room. I think Joey will okay. like that. All right. All on right. my show on Light 106.7, every day oh. I do something called the tweet sheet where I take three funny tweets and read them yeah. on the air. And uh, I have found a few over the, uh, over the years that I can't read on the air because uh, the language is too spicy. So I bring them in here and I read them to Terry. Can you turn so, the heat up? <laughs> it's a bit warm, eh? So uh, okay. here's the first one the from at Cashman Actor. America, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> Steve the horse. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know why. I, doesn't that remind you of the scene in uh, Blazing Saddles? <laughs> where, he knocks where he punches the, the horse, horse out? Yeah. Mungo, yeah. yeah. Punches out the horse. <laughs> Steve the horse. Okay. <laughs> What do we got here? From at Pat's a tweeting. Me, I'll have the sloppy Joe. Wife, this is a fancy restaurant, idiot. Me, apologies. I'll have the uncouth Joseph. <laughs> Waiter, excellent choice, sir. I did use that one in the air, actually. There's no yeah. F-bombs in there. 
but I thought it was funny. Pat's a tweeting. I like Pat's a tweeting. Yeah, he's funny. He's a funny guy. From at Ollie Iconic, wife, I'm going into labor. Husband, when? Wife, now. Husband, sets down plate of nachos. Jesus Christ, Karen, I just made these. That would be me if I had a kid. Absolutely. We've the been, game's on. We, we've been asking some of the guests, do you find... Uh, you find yourself more emotional as you get older because I oh. know you're close with your nephew. You've got a you've got a new arrival in the family too. Yeah, don't a little four month old. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, he's amazing. So do you find? I'm I'm I know you're you're not sobbing all the time, but do you find yourself getting a little emotional sometime watching a commercial or throwing a football with your nephew or? Oh yeah, I don't yeah, know why, okay. but uh, yeah. See, there anything? You go. Yeah, seriously. At it's, one it's, point during this, I found myself. Uh, there was like four or five emaciated dogs on my TV screen, and then the Sarah McLaughlin oh, came boy, in behind it, and I was oh, a, oh, I haven't I was seen a that one. fucking oh, mess. Yeah, just puddles. Oh yeah, that's uh, well, that's that's deliberate. And, yeah, and yeah, it and it doesn't matter how old you are; that'll no. make you cry. That yeah, that's got nothing to do with getting older. But even yeah. movies, you know, that I would have just kind of been like, oh, that was a sweet moment. Yeah. You watch Yellowstone? I have not yet. Yeah, I've been watching Yellowstone. I cry at least once an is episode. That right, yeah. Eh? Yeah, and oh. sometimes at just how good the acting is. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, she nailed that. <laughs> no, I'm looking, you know, I was talking to Esteban, of all people. Yeah, um, producer. And we were saying that, you know, there's nothing really funny being put out there. No. And even the comedies are kind of dark comedies. Yeah. You know, there's nothing light and fluffy anymore. You know? Well, I I, I got to believe that's going to turn, don't you? I, I mean, hope I, so. I I I got a feeling we you know without tipping back into that pond, I got a feeling that one way or another the the world has had enough and it's going to swing back into um, uh, let the cards fall where they may. It's I don't know. It feels to me that that's where it's going. And if it does, I think you know once people go back to hockey games and and go back to you know shows and movie sets are open and you know people are writing again i hope you know it's it's kind of like the 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 world is is on low gear well it's and and the world's in a pissy sour mood yeah everybody's yeah, yeah everybody's yelling at everybody else oh my god yeah. it's incredible yeah. like but just I, the amount of people that i see for no reason you know yelling at each other yeah. on the street well, like this is, pedestrians this is, to to motorists and vice yeah. versa. It's just like, wow. Let me, I'll tell them the uh, story from Costco. Yeah. Uh, this is the other day. And I didn't feel bad about this. I was at Costco a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I'm from Fredericton. And, and everyone talks to everybody else. And everybody's Maritimers, right? They're very friendly. And the older I get, the more I become like my father and grandfather who are, Hi, how are you now? Good to see you. And they don't even know who the person <laughs> right. is. How's she going? You know? So I go into Costco the other day, and there's this kid mid-20s with his man bun, and he's the, he's the uh, cashier. And he's checking somebody else out in front of me, and he goes to the guy, he goes, Sir, you can't use that bag. And the guy says, okay. He puts his bag in his cart, and he goes through. And so it's my turn. And I said, how come my buddy couldn't use his bag? And he doesn't even look at me. He goes, COVID, sir. And I said, uh, so uh, can I still uh, can I pack my groceries? Over there, sir. And I said to him, are you okay? And he stops, and he goes, yeah. And I said, well, you don't seem to be. You seem to be pretty sour. Is there is there something wrong? No, there's nothing wrong at all. I'm I'm we're having fun here. And I said, well, how how come I'm trying to have an trying to engage you in a friendly conversation? How come you're being such a fucking asshole to me? 
And he goes, who pissed in your cornflakes? And I said, you did. <laughs> nice. And he and, probably still didn't get it. No, he didn't no. He didn't get it at all. No. And normally I would walk away from something like that thinking, oh, fuck, I, you know, I should have just bit my tongue. You know, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have had that confrontation. But I didn't feel bad that day. It was like, you little fucking shit. I'm just being friendly to you. Raised Look me in the fucking eye and engage me. I don't understand. Seriously. I, I will say this. When is, um, like I get it at the beginning when everybody thought everything you touched had COVID. Yes. Okay. And you go into certain stores now and they go, do you need a bag? And I go, okay. And then they just hand it to you. Yeah. I'm like, well, while I'm futzing around looking for my debit card, why wouldn't you put this shit in the back? No. And they're like, oh, I can't touch it. Yeah. Well, we're about to try to reopen society. It's not like it's my penis. Touch yeah. it. You, you better get used to it again. You know? Yeah. It, yeah you got to. That's your job. Well, you know what? I must say, I'll give the kids at the IGA where I shop credit because more often than not, they'll pack my bags. There'll be a kid at the, there'll be the cashier, and then there'll be the young yeah. fella at the end of the, the yeah. conveyor belt thing, and he's putting my stuff and in And I, I have to say, too, that I think a lot of it, you know, my wife and I have had this conversation a lot. And you and I have talked about this, and maybe you and I have talked about this, Joey. The the long time sort of uh, language confusion, let's just call it that, mm -hmm. where people are hesitant to, to speak to one and each, uh, each other. Montreal is a place where you can have entire transactions take place, and no one talks to each other. And I now now live in a place where, um, you know, where we are out in the valley in British Columbia. It is a morning. Morning, yeah. one of those places where strangers walk by you and say good morning, and the cashiers are more often than not. I'm thinking, okay, that's enough after this. Yeah, after your little story now. I see. How lonely are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, because but it's nice. It is. It's nice because that's what Canadians used to be famous for. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Okay, no, pardon me. After you, of course. That's I wonder I too if there's also an urban rural right, sort of be. divide because I mean, you're I, in a smaller community, well, I'm right? In a smaller community, but I I've always believed because I lived in Manitoba, I lived in Alberta, I'm in BC now. I you know I've traveled to Ontario. I've always believed that where there was no language barrier you know there there for a long time there is you know maybe not in this generation but in mine a hesitation of oh i wonder if i say excuse me to that person they're gonna go eh quoi yeah or vice versa you know if you're french and you want to ask somebody something on crescent street you might hesitate yeah. you know what i mean so there's there's, I, I don't know if it, 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 it has its genesis in that, but I, and I also find today, because of uh, you know phones and, and the way we're distracted, we don't talk to each other, we don't look each other in the eye, and I don't think it's uncommon for a guy who's a cashier not to talk to anybody for an eight-hour shift. Well, maybe that's why Buddy was the way he was. Yeah, maybe, like he, he, maybe I was the weirdo for yeah, wanting to talk to you him. you were out of your mind. Yeah. yeah. Human. Yeah. Talking yeah. to a human, not through a screen. Yeah. I've even come to a place now where if I know the person's French, I'll engage them in French, and yes. my, my French is not even that good, yes. you know? And yeah. I'll just end the conversation, la bibliothèque, c'est moi. Yeah. <laughs> I always quote the... Uh, <laughs> Paul McCartney did a song in French once called Où est le soleil dans ma tête? <laughs> And uh, that's how I, I, if I don't know what I'm saying, I always go, Où est le soleil de ma tête? Travailler. And then you walk away. Yeah, I go with my brother-in-law's go-to, La Bibliothèque, c'est moi. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, there's an old saying in French, <laughs> je parle français. Oh. How did I know? I got to try that one. The bibliothèque. La bibliothèque. Well, what, moi. one of your, uh, and I know, I don't even know if you, you, you still use this, Joey, but uh, you, as you know, because Joey's been very good to my family, my mother, my father, my sister. Um, my mother my mother and father, by the way, said to say hello this when I told them you were going to be a uh. guest. They were very excited. And Joey's had them as guests at the shows, and and my parents' favorite line is the uh, the Gazon line from uh, Saint Leonard, which is forty years old. Or yeah, it's, now it, that was probably the the club the, show tonight. But that I, I think that became a signature line for you for a while. It was it was one of your yeah one, the, of, the, one of your gags, and it was based in culture. It in, was in language. It was all about. Uh, it was based on my grandparents who had a a neighbor who was Italian. From the old country, made wine the old-fashioned way, you know, in his backyard. Did not speak a lick of English, spoke French, but still had the, you know, the Italian accent. And I thought, this is gold. Yeah. You know, and then I would talk to him, and I mimicked it, and then I turned it into something. And then, yeah, that was the first time, I think, that I realized, wait a minute, you know, and this is before social media. Yeah. Right? So people would walk by you on the street and ask you, you know, you know, combien pour la danse, you know, combien pour la danse or that accent and stuff like that. Tu fumes la cigarette. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, like when I'm not on, I don't understand the comics, and I give them credit, who are on all the time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I can't just be on if I'm just walking down the no. street and no. I got the headphones yeah. on. So a lot no. of time, people would quote my stuff to me. I'd be like, yeah. you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, you need some help. Uh <laughs> So. Yeah, it's like, you know, it would be like going up to Robin Williams and say, do Popeye. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, do yeah. Popeye for me. Yeah, no, well, no. And that, I got to say, uh, we worked with uh, Howie Mandel on, on a fundraising yeah. thing. Yeah, I opened for Howie about 20 years ago. And the patience this man showed, because he came out on stage and he started, you know, with the hellos and whatever. And people started yelling, Bobby, do Bobby. Yeah. You know, and... The way he handled it, you know, was so graceful because yeah. he knew he was going to do it at the end of the show. Yeah. yeah. But people were just so impatient. Yeah. And that's the other thing about society today. There is no patience. No. You know, I think that's why so many people are well, you know, I, pissy I, a little I bit. I could be wrong because um, I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> but I think a lot of it has to do with the phones. Oh, of course it does. We get everything now like this. Yeah. We, you know, like, I, I was I was on the train yesterday coming in from Ottawa, and I was like, this, 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 this Wi-Fi is ridiculous. Because it was taking yeah. eight seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Whereas want, 20 years ago, when we, you didn't have one of those, you wouldn't have... No, yeah. I'd be looking out the yeah. window. Or reading a book. Or yeah. reading a book. You know, yeah. But I think we're so accustomed now to getting everything like this. You know, the everything from the TV... Remember... When we were kids, you turn the TV on and wait for it to yeah. warm up. Yeah. Oh, you know? <laughs> some days you remember you prayed it would only like you'd only get that like one bar. You'd be like, "Come on, baby!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, pretended yeah. you were Fonzie. You'd yeah. hit it. Yeah. Well, you having trouble with the Wi-Fi on the train <coughs> is the me. 2022 version of that. Yes. Fifty it is. years from now, someone's going to say, "Fuck! I remember when you couldn't get the Wi-Fi on the train." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now don't you get it on planes now too? Yeah, you can buy it on planes, but to me, that's the worst thing that's happened to air travel in the history of the world is people being able to use their phones at 35,000 feet. That used to be the one place yep. where you could go and you were forced 
to either watch a movie, sleep, or contemplate life. That's why I still like camping. I know people go, yeah. well, what? You go camping. Yeah. Not glamping. Like, it's yeah, tan. Yeah, you're, you know. You're, I got rocks in my pants. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I love it yeah. because you're in the woods. You know, I bring my iPod of shame with a speaker. Yes. Yeah. You know, but there's yeah. no yeah. cell phone. <laughs> there's no. No, no, I, I get a, I get the one that annoys the neighbors. That no, although the most Canadian thing ever was, I went camping once, and you know, you get into the tent, you know, the the, uh-huh. the campsite, and there's a couple over uh, maybe fifty feet over, and all I hear them is playing his hip tunes. Mm. So I just pull out. You know, the vodka, made a couple of Caesars, and went over and introduced myself. Nice. Now, that's a Canadian welcome, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't it? And then we all just bonded that's over the That's a hip. Canadian story. Bloody Caesars and the tragically hip. Camping. Camping. Yeah. yeah. Camping is where I guess you don't have a mattress with you. Are you watching the segue? Oh, this is such a good segue. See, we have a mattress uh, oh, that distributor that sponsors like that? us. That was, uh-huh. that was good. How yeah. about that? I eh? like that a lot. Yeah, well, see. you take it from here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our friends at uh, Matlab Honor, uh, one of the things that somebody said to me uh, once years ago was, Terry, all the people you do commercials for are families. And I said, yep, and that is deliberate. It's by choice. Much rather talk to, get to know families. Families are in the stores, running the companies, answering the phones. As uh, you know, our old buddy Mark Merson used to say to me, tell people if they want to talk to the owner, I'm at the counter. They don't have to write me a letter. And it's the same way at Matla Bonheur, where you can get a mattress, no matter what kind of mattress you like to sleep on. Uh, If you're looking for new pillows, new bedding, new sheets, Um, And if you want to stay up to date on mattress technology, yes, there is such a thing as mattress technology. Norm and his family are on top of all the latest developments uh, in the world of a good night's sleep. That's what they dedicated themselves to for all of these years. They've been doing it for a very long time. They now have 18 locations in the greater Montreal area. And whether you need a mattress for the kids or you just moved or you've been sleeping on the same shitty mattress for too many years, uh, I know there's lots of places you can go, but go get the warm welcome, the knowledge, and uh, the great shopping experience at one of the 18 Matlabonner locations, matlabonner.ca. Well, sir. Yes, sir. Joe. Joe. This was an honor. Thank you so much Listen, for doing I'm, this. This was fun is I'm what it was. I'm so excited that you decided to uh, to accept our invitation to come. And uh, uh, thank you for making time because I know I'm sure you have a busy week. You're off to Toronto tomorrow. Yeah, looking forward to it. But again, anytime. And, and just to echo what Barry said, I don't think anyone from my generation that started in stand-up or music um, – and I've said this before, you guys both, you know, it didn't matter where you went, whether it was Shome, AD, Virgin, or Mix back then, you always found the time to support local. And, I mean, we're learning now more than ever, support local is so important. Yeah, big but time. You know, I try to do that, um, but I we just followed your, you know, you, you guys' example, and, and without your help and promotion you were our social media <laughs> you know what nice, i mean Joey, thank uh, you so thank you and, and thank hopefully you. we'll do this again and hopefully if i get to produce a montreal show we'll get you to uh, well, do some stuff i w- i would i would love to see that happen i hope whoever's listening to the podcast 
can help encourage that to happen because I think there's a whole new generation who could really, really use the wind in that sail like uh, like from that we did years ago. And um, you asked me earlier about it, and I'm pleased as punch uh, to say um, I got approached by the folks at Sun Youth, who you probably know are building a new building. That's right. And uh, they're going to be looking for help from Montrealers, uh, Montrealers old and new, Montrealers who may be listening to this in Calgary or Toronto or Los Angeles, because I know we've had some American mail tet yep um the new uh fundraising campaign is about to get underway and they contacted me and they said you know we would like you to be one of the english faces of the campaign and i said you know i i've moved to british columbia and they said so you're still a montrealer that's right we want to have you as and i've said are you dealing with ernie it really really honored me deeply yeah ernie and a whole bunch of other people i've been i'll tell them i say hi yeah i would definitely see them at their golf tournament this year i definitely will joey elias the album is called that night in toronto because it was recorded in toronto and you can find it where joey uh if you just go to my pin tweet on twitter okay uh it's right the link is right there What's the Twitter account again? At uh, Everyday Joe MTL. Everyday Joe MTL. What happened to the Bruins 514? Uh, a lot of hate mail. Okay. <laughs> At Everyday Joe MTL. Sorry. From, from reasonable uh, Montreal yeah. Canadiens fans? <laughs> Are there any? I don't think so. <laughs> Joey Elias has been our uh, special guest. Um, this would uh, conclude uh, episode number three. That's right. And we uh, we want to say a big thank you to Poseidon. Thank you, Poseidon. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you, Poseidon. And also to our title sponsor, the folks at... Jaguar Land Rover Laval. JaguarLaval.ca and LandRoverLaval.ca. And we've welcomed our uh, new sponsor, the UPS Store Canada, and, of course, our longtime friends at Merson Auto and Matla Bonner. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval, where the luxury is unmistakably British, but nobody wears a top hat or a monocle.